Hello there. Welcome to True Cult Pop, the music podcast. I hope you're all right. I'm just dipping in before this episode starts to give it a little proper intro that it didn't get back when it was first released on the 15th of August 2022, which is a year ago. It was originally released on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash True Cult Pop, where you could go over and sign up for all of our exclusive content, get that really, really early, and you can suggest something for us to listen to. What you're about to listen to is myself, that's me, Stephen Hill, hello, and Mr. Sam Slight a year ago talking about the Twilight Sads album, It Won't Be Like This All of the Time. As I said, if you like what you hear, please go over and sign up and you can suggest something and eventually, eventually, we will get round to doing that. Thanks very much. Enjoy the show. I'll see you after the intro, which starts now. Hi everyone, welcome to Your Cult Pop. It's part of the True Cult Pop podcast. I'm Stephen Hill. I'm joined as ever by Mr. Sam Slight. How are you doing, Sam? You all right, mate? You all right, are you? You having a good time? I'm very well, thank you, Stephen. Very well indeed. Um, I've been having a miserable time listening to this and that is a place that I like to inhabit massively. How are you? Uh, I'm all right, thanks, mate. Yeah, I've got the I've got just one light on in the house as we record as dusk settles because i'm getting ready to get my motherfucking goth on yeah, <laughs> yeah this is very, the, goth. very goth yeah thanks very much uh so this is the show we do on our patreon page thanks very much for signing up to our patreon page appreciate that that's very nice of you aren't you nice you get to suggest something for us to talk about on a podcast that's what this is we give you one of them every week if you want to upgrade for a fiver you can get two classic records, two of our own picks of our own personal favourite classic records as well. If you'd like to do that, no pressure. I'll leave the door slightly ajar. The uh, the, the boudoir light on. So I'm just gonna <laughs> A gentle beckon. Sneak in. I won't tuck myself in of an evening. You can't really tuck yourself in, can you, in bed? Uh, Quite hard to do that. It depends how you hard you try. So. Well... Uh, <laughs> annoyingly that is true yeah throwing uh, you there first time for everything yeah but look it's hard to tuck yourself in oh yeah i'm not disputing that yeah hard but not impossible both sides one side sure yeah yeah, yeah. okay outspan do both sides nah fucked fucked mate fuck that yeah. i'm doing that uh which is why i sleep um un- untucked unfortunately <laughs> My little lonesome. How sad. Anyway, oh. enough about the sad, this sad life that I live. Thanks very much to Mark Clinton, who has suggested It Won't Be Like This All The Time by The Twilight Sad, which is the fifth studio album from the Scottish indie rock band, which was released on the 18th of January, 2019. Good suggestion, Mark. If you want to know what Mark said with the suggestion. Oh, go on. He said... They are one of my favourite bands, so I could have chosen any of their albums, really. Robert Smith is a big fan of them. He is. Mm. He uh, booked them to play his Meltdown at the Royal Festival Hall in 2018. Did he now? Because I, I know he's had some involvement with them. I didn't realise he was at that, um, which, of course, the site of one of your favourite gigs of all time with Nine Inch Nails there. So they were in good company, yeah. the Twilight side, if they were on that. 
Yeah, yeah, they were. Robert Smith is a big fan of them, and they mm. have supported The Cure a lot. He gave them some feedback on the demos for this one, and you can really hear his influence. Looking forward to seeing both bands at Wembley in December. Fuck me. So am I, mate. I wish I could get a ticket. I haven't got a ticket yet. I haven't got a ticket for that. Might have to try and get on the blag, since I am a hashtag important music journalist. <laughs> so, uh, The Twilight Sad. Now, this is funny, this one, actually, because... <clears throat> This album came out in January 2019, which is about six months after I had started doing Riot Act, which is what we basically, what we used to be, isn't it? We used to be that. Yeah, well, I kind of um, bolted on the end, didn't I? Yeah, but... Yeah, yeah you bolted on the end. You, you kind of tagged yourself on at the end like, of it. Like a kind of journalistic um, limpet. <laughs> yeah, weaseled your way in. <laughs> and... <laughs> and... Uh, I remember this record coming out and I remember a few people saying, are you going to do the new Twilight Sad? Because you're not just doing metal now, so you can do that. And I was like, oh yeah, the Twilight Sad. I've heard their name all the time because I like The Cure and I like Robert Smith and I like what Robert Smith likes and I just basically think whatever Robert Smith <laughs> thinks about anything, basically, because I love him. Which is, you should all do. Yep. Um, hates Morrissey, doesn't he? Good he fucking lad. hates Morrissey. He fucking hates Morrissey. He Did really you know this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen this. He really yeah, yeah. does. And I also love, uh, just a little loving of Robert Smith for a minute. I love that whenever he's on kind of sycophantic red carpets in America and stuff like that, he'll just tell people that they're a twat when they ask a stupid question. Robert Smith's the best. Everyone should love him. Yeah, Robert Smith's really good. And, um, and so I kind of wanted to do this. For whatever reason, we didn't do it. But I do remember listening to it at the time. I remember listening to this record and thinking oh at some point we should come back to this because it is it's bloody good this is like basically it's bloody good and i'd never listen again you know i actually hadn't listened to twilight sad prior to this record and i'm sort of trying to think why that would be now my have you got any ideas sam why that would be off the top of your head uh for you uh no i don't because i mean obviously you know you you listen to a bit of everything. I mean, I suppose, I don't know, kind of Scottish indie band endorsed by Robert Smith. It probably just sounds quite sad. And obviously the last few years, you know, what with the pandemic and everything, maybe not been the right time to get into a really, really dour and miserable band. So, but I don't know. I mean, do you have a, a hypothesis of why you didn't listen to them prior to this properly? I do. I do. Yeah. Go on. I'll tell you why it was. I can tell you exactly why it was. It was because... When their debut album came out in 2007, which is called 14 Autumns and 15 Winters. I haven't listened to that record. I have to be honest with you. When that came out, it was 2007. Mm. Hence why that's the year that I said it came out in. <laughs> and the indie landfill obsession was so overwhelming. And at this point, it had become so exhaustingly dreadful so dreadful that i basically fully retreated into kind of metal and a bit of pop mm. and the odd bit of sort of hip-hop here and there if it was somebody really really massive but i was basically 2007 is when i really really went in quite deep on sort of uh like super deep i think it was like 2007 i went in super deep on like death metal mm. and black metal for the first time properly properly for the first time oh, okay you know, i listened to death metal stuff before and i remember having just an immediate visceral like nah fuck you you're gonna sound like the enemy you're gonna sound like the view you're gonna sound like 
razor light. You're going to be one of those. And I just would not pay attention to or entertain any of those bands from that scene. Weirdly, a couple of years before, as I've discussed a few times, I actually found quite a lot of that stuff that I quite liked. Mm. But uh, razor light and fucking the Kaiser Chiefs coming out at the same time as Maximo Park and the Future Heads and Block Party, I was like, all right, cool. Well, you know, that's there's a sort of mix of quite good stuff or really good stuff mm-hmm. and some really quite bad stuff. By 2007, no, I'd uh, I'd sort of given. I, at that point, I was like, no, everybody's the Hoosiers or Scouting for Girls or it was it was fucking rubbish. And so I would have seen a band called The Twilight Sad and I would have gone, oh, they're probably like the bloody pigeon detectives or somebody or that one who like that who's that band that's on let's dance to joy division oh or the wombats yeah they were the they were wombats. The, they were well i say the nadir i mean all that stuff was shit i mean to be honest just to jump in i'm in exactly the same boat as you and that i'd not listened to this band prior to this coming up actually uh because i was in, in secondary school when that landfill indie thing was really taking off and i took very viscerally against it as well and retreated into metal as well so but i'd, yeah. I'd not heard of the twilight Sad until quite recently but anyway sorry you carry on no no that's fine yeah so i i had heard of the twi- i definitely had heard of the twilight sad and i think i would have just gone oh it's an indie band fuck them like don't care whatever um and i would be like i've got my few that i like uh like block party or um i was about to say one that you, you're not allowed to like anymore so i won't say <laughs> them but they might be let's call them um uh, uh farcade ire um and or whatever yeah. and yeah um so i had that and i was just like oh i'm not listening to this and i remember some people going oh you'd like uh the horrors Mm. you'd like them you'd like them and i was like no i wouldn't fuck you i won't like them like, yeah they sound like joy division i was like no they don't rubbish go away bought their bollocks the enemy like them they're bollocks i like the lily allen album and i like the anal nathrak album and i don't like anything else in between so i just sort of ignored everything and then i heard the horrors and i went that is actually a really good album that actually is good i i consider me um told basically and so you know that went on for a little bit 2007 first album comes out 2009 probably in the same uh headspace at that point 2012 doing the metal hammer podcast and sort of first writing for metal hammer god isn't mm. this exciting 2014 their last album nobody wants to be here and nobody wants to leave in 2014 i was on team Up radio in 2014 i think i've said this before which meant i either listened to extremely 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 heavy things or the fucking crap that they used to play on team Up radio all the time so like hellstorm um i feel bad about saying that because i interviewed lizzie hale the other week she was lovely so basically the 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 short answer for it is why haven't i listened to him before i'm just too metal <laughs> too fucking cult ain't you mate it's way too metal to listen to a band who were doing this at the time so yeah that that's why i haven't listened to them before that is totally what's your excuse <laughs> my excuse is much the same but uh kind of slightly less aggressively um yeah uh as i say i um in secondary school in norwich uh when landfill indie was all the rage and i very much retreated into uh as i've said before kind of maiden and anthrax and then i was getting into metallica and then uh really um things kind of changed for me quite dramatically around 2010 when i got into lamb of god which led me into a more extreme wormhole definitely and um 
it's only in, well, I can tell you the date that I finally changed my mind on indie. And I think it's quite a good kind of springboard into the kind of stuff we're going to talk about. March the 3rd, 2021 was the day I first heard As Days Get Dark by Arab Strap. Two days before it was released, got sent a stream. And I was like, oh, holy shit. There's possibly a good 15 years worth of amazing music that I've just written off because I didn't like the Wombats or the Pigeon Detectives or the the bands, but not the the who were actually quite good, but a lot older. Um, yeah, the Twilight said I'd heard the name every now and then and I did just think, oh, yeah, there'll be floppy haired pricks who just cry. Oh, rubbish. I want really serious music like like napalm death uh, probably a bad example because napalm death actually do write about serious subjects but yeah um this is not a genre or band i'd ever really listened to and to be honest prior to this i still hadn't listened to the twilight sad i was about to listen to them early this year because aiden moffat of arab strap and um james graham of the twilight sad have just formed a kind of super group called gentle sinners that came out earlier this year which is really, really good as an aside. Um, so I mean, it's gets the Twilight Sad. Haven't done it before. And gosh, don't I feel a fool. Yeah, this album, getting to it now, <clears throat> when I heard it back at the start of 2019, like I say, I remember going, fucking hell, we should cover this. Mm. We should really cover this because this is dead good. This is dead good. And it, and it is basically, it was the sort of thing which I had been getting into i don't know if i'm just somebody who is very very easily swayed and very very easily influenced by popular culture or whatever but it did feel like i was thinking about this earlier i went to, i was coming back from the gym earlier and i was listening to something i can't remember what i was listening to now and i was like going and i was thinking to myself one of the best things i've done in my life i think is remember what i used to like when i was a kid not as a teenager but as a child, as an actual child, because as an actual child, and I think I've said this a bunch of times, I fucking loved like the, the Cure and Depeche Mode and mm. Gary Newman and shit. Like, I fucking loved all that shit. And I'd sort of then for, kind of forgot about them. You know, I like those. I mean, I, I love them. I like the singles or what I had on top of the pops. I always liked all that shit. And um, we're going to be recording Adela Soul special in a few days time and i remember seeing me myself and i went to peche mode uh, Mode, (laughs) on the telly and just being like oh i love this oh i like hip-hop now do i yeah great good and um you know you just fucking love shit when you're a kid and going back and going oh actually before i got into like nirvana and green day and then sepultura and whatever i actually the shit i liked was was mostly sort of guitar-y pop music that is what i spent the first sort of 13 years of my life listening to and shit like this you know you too my favorite band i wasn't listening to bloody how to dismantle an atomic bomb or the sweetest thing i was listening to war and the unforgettable fire and boy and stuff like that. that's what i that's what i really really liked so it's funny that this type of thing as i've remembered that this type of thing has become incredibly popular again because i remember hearing this and going this feels like a band who have come along at exactly the right time both for me and i mean it's pretty insulting to say they've come along at exactly the right time because they came along they formed in 2003 so they didn't come along <laughs> they've been there <laughs> for fucking ages um and i don't know what their other music sounds like i don't know what their other sound like but this to me really does feel like people love this type of thing again mm. now yeah, yeah yeah very much so i mean obviously post-punk revivalism is in full swing at the moment i think there's a lot mm-hmm. of that in there 
and there's a lot of synth pop in here, which is also in a kind of revivalist swing. You know, we were talking about um, Working Men's Club's latest album a bit earlier in the year, which has got yeah. that kind of quite dark synth pop industrial thing, which I think is here. I mean, for me, um, I mean, this album, I think, owes a massive, not necessarily owes a massive debt, but you can tell it wears the influence of pornography by The Cure on its sleeve quite readily mm-hmm. and lovingly, or adoringly so. But then I think you've got something like The Arbor, which might be my favorite track on the album and it's hard because i fucking love this steve i think this is absolutely incredible um but the arbor has got that jaunty swing it kind of feels i don't know it's oxymoronically quite dancey and then so so oppressively bleak it's like closer era joy division have written sweetest perfection by depeche mode it's also got a lot of scottish music so they're scottish really does yeah and I think there's a lot of Scottish. I mean, you mentioned Arab Strap mm. earlier, and Arab Strap are a band who there's something again, you know, that for such a small island as we are, we do are very, very good. Maybe the best in the world, maybe at having um, very distinct regional tonality to mm. to each part of you know, where we're from. I mean, um, I don't quite know what it is in Wales. I suppose it's big kind of booming stuff in it. <laughs> and the Manics aren't really that. But like, yeah, actually the Manics can be, can't they? It can they be can. quite kind of cinematic and, you know, gritty, but also boomy and bold and all that sort of stuff. Um, Manchester's got sort of swagger mm. to a lot of it, even in the stuff that is quite depressing, like Joy Division. There's something about the the kind of... the is the a, swagger and the grit to it yeah under the oppressive bleakness of something like that which i think comes from that metropolitan uh just kind of feel of those kind of bands doesn't it yeah and then birmingham has i mean birmingham isn't just known for its metal as duran duran are the best band from birmingham but there's something kind of industrialized and smoggy and dark mm. about a lot of bands from birmingham and in scotland i feel like there's this sort of browbeaten delicate even when they're not being delicate i sort of feel like there's some kind of browbeaten um actually delicate's not really the word at all but there is this sort of almost there's this kind of cloak of depressedness about (laughs) a lot of scottish bands Um, yeah i mean i was thinking about um kind of matter of factly depressed do you know what i mean yeah it's very much to the point i think it it seems to deal even more kind of obtusely and readily in kind of realism in its music and kind of realist poetry Mm. i feel like particularly you know arab strap are the gateway to me for this stuff but when i think about the bands i have listened to off the back of arab strap i mean obviously you've got bell and sebastian who i think you know do a a reasonably distinct thing from those bands. But then you've got Mogwai as well, and when Mogwai are doing songs where Stuart Braithwaite's doing vocals, I mean, I suppose, actually, the one that really comes to mind is Richie Sacramento, which I think actually goes against that because that is quite beautiful in its kind of poetic metaphors. But then you get, mm-hmm. um, well, you get the Twilight Sad here and... Biffy. Biffy, yeah. I mean, I think Biffy kind of trade a weird line of the kind of, yeah. that kind of more international feel in terms of... More universal ideas and stuff like that, rather than browbeating, kind of walking down a cobbled street and feeling absolutely fucking miserable as you go to between whatever kind of setting you're going to. Um, 
I think weirdly the Jesus and Mary chain have it a little bit, although it's not as obvious. Mm. They're much more kind of chromatic and aggressive. Yeah. As our as our primal scream, I suppose. You know, you wouldn't necessarily think that primal scream have that either. But there's primal scream are certainly for me they're the most joyous sounding Scottish band. <laughs> well, I was going to say. I mean, the other one that I would go to, who are probably the most depressed sounding um, or depressing sounding uh, Scottish band, would be Frightened Rabbit. Have been another one I've been investigating quite readily. And yeah, I think mm. there is that. Yeah, I think browbeating is a good way of putting it. I think um, there's a kind of <laughs> indignant rebelliousness. It's like, you know, we're, we are so beaten down, but we're still going to go out fucking fighting. Like, and I know that's, you know, maybe a bit of a cultural stereotype to say, oh, Scots can be a bit aggressive, can't they? But I think that, you know, it's done in such a classy way as well. It's not like, fuck you, fuck you, I'm not going to go out like this. It's like, well, if this is the way it happens, I'm going to tell you exactly how I fucking feel about everything that's gone on. And I think it's just an absolutely beautiful kind of, I don't know, can you really call it a scene? Because I think all the bands we've just noted there actually do sound really distinct from one another. But I think the undercurrent is the the regional accent, I suppose. It's not a scene. I think it's a national identity rather than a scene. I don't yeah. think it's actually got anything to do with music. I think it's probably just got something to do with... An outlook, I guess. Surroundings, the general outlook and, you know, like... I like this isn't a diss, by the way. I like Scotland a lot. I think mm. it's good. I we were just saying on the last uh, uh, one of these that I was would move to Canada. <laughs> I actually thought about moving to Edinburgh not so long ago. I've had the pleasure of going to Edinburgh once, and I would. Well, I probably wouldn't now. You've said that because it like I was following you, but I'd go to Edinburgh as well. I think Edinburgh is a beautiful city. Yeah, Edinburgh is really, really nice. I mean, I think people who are Scottish might be listening to this. I don't know if you have any Scottish listeners, but if you are Scottish, I know if you live in like Dundee or Aberdeen or, you know, Inverness or somewhere, you're probably going, well, that's where all the fucking tossers go to, to Edinburgh. <laughs> the people that's who aren't really Scottish. Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wankers. that's not really <laughs> Scotland, so fuck off. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I really, yeah, I, I really like this. Yeah, there is... The, when I'm in the mood for it, I think Scottish music does something in this vein that not many other places can really capture in, in such a way. And I think that's really cool. And this record does do that a hell of a lot. I mean, I think all of this is good. But I actually think when we get to the last song, because yeah. I was like, oh, I'm sort of ready to go now. But Videograms, I think, is fucking amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, you know, you mentioned that sort of, synth poppy thing that they add in there as well and to get a really i think to make synth pop which is inherently kind of meant to be joyous mm. to make it sound sad i think is a really cool thing to do and you know don't get me wrong lots of people have done it over the years but the twilight sad make synth pop sound super fucking sad super duper sad on that last song I think it's brilliant. I mean, there is loads of stuff, you know, that I haven't got to um, before before we get even get there. Like you mentioned, the Arbor, I think it's brilliant. Shooting Dense Hopper, uh, shooting uh, is is great as well. Sunny Day Thirteen, I think, is lovely. Mm. Absolutely lovely. Yeah, the real stripped back, just piano vocal approach. I think it's a really yeah. smart dynamic point in the album as well to put that. I think yeah. it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's really really good, and um, yeah, it just sort of that stuff like that can either work brilliantly or make everything fall flat on its mm. ass and i think it works absolutely brilliantly here yeah really really good i mean you know 
Girl Chewing Gum, I think it's amazing as well. Really, really good. Mm. Like there's fucking loads of shit on here that, you know, as you mentioned, that kind of pornography era, the cure, a little bit of Joy Division, um, slight kind of early creation record style mm. a- approach of more kind of shoegazy, uh, st- kind of, I guess, prettier sounding dream poppy shoegazy stuff on it as well. Mm. Taking the synth of something like, I don't know. Um, I guess I mentioned, I'm trying to think of something which isn't um, Warm Leatherette by The Normal, which is such a massive song. But yeah, but like Warm Leatherette by The Normal, which is like synth pop, but done in a grindingly depressing way. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think it's really good, this record. Really, really good. I like it a hell of a lot. I think this record's absolutely fucking amazing and I think I'm glad I'm listening to it now because I think if I'd have listened to it before I discovered Arab Strap, I would have not really got it. I think it would have been a record that I'd appreciate the kind of a bit ambition and ability of, but I wouldn't have really... Yeah, I don't think it would have gelled with me. I think where I would have been in 2019 when it came out, I, I mean, that's when I was deep into just, just noise rock, basically. I was just like, no, if it doesn't sound absolutely horrible, if it doesn't feel like I've got an angle grinder against my ear i don't want to listen to it so this would not well this would not that definitely wouldn't have done the job apart from um i just wanted to go back to girl chewing gum um which i think is (laughs) with those drifting humming bass that just feels like it's just eking around one fret on the on the low end of the fretboard um Mm -hmm. i mean thank god for those kind of more trebly chords of the guitar that come in in the verses because it almost gets to swan's levels of being horrendously oppressive i think if um there is a kind of like moment for the discordant stuff that is the absolute apex of it i think across the album if i had to pick i don't think i could pick a favorite track i, I basically love all of it but it would be between the arbor girl tune gum and i really really liked um org machine as well i thought that was yeah. really really beautiful because it leaned more into the the kind of post-rock elements that um that funny enough th- seem to have kind of um wormed their way into arab strap sound so when i saw arab strap last year and they were doing their older material they've basically turned it into kind of arab straps take on mogwai they've really amped up all the dyn- dynamism of their earlier work and so i guess it's kind of that co- the slight cohesion of the kind of national mood of <laughs> scottish miserabilism basically um but no, I, I fucking love this album. Please, please, if you are going to tweet me album recommendations, send me whatever you want. I always appreciate it. Send me more stuff like this. This is what I want. Yeah. Do, well, do, do. You heard the man. Do it. Uh, we also, last time we spoke about um, I, Mother Earth and how they were just mm. sort of big in Canada. Now, this hasn't charted. It got to number 99 in Germany, number 168 in Belgium, number 17 in the United Kingdom. Yep. It would. Number one in Scotland. Of course it did. So yeah. they're up for it, aren't they? They <laughs> love it. They love this kind of shit. I I was I wasn't even really I mean, I suppose it makes sense that Scotland would have their own chart. Mm. But I was always like, okay, do they have a Welsh do they have a Welsh chart? I've never seen the Welsh chart. I've seen the Irish chart, obviously. Yeah. And I've seen the Scot I've now seen the Scottish chart. I've seen the Scottish chart a few times. And the UK chart. Never seen an England chart. I've never seen the English chart. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if they've got a Welsh chart, but I suppose it would, I mean, it basically just have to be Tom Jones and Bullet for my Valentine week after week, wouldn't it? Oh, the agony of choice. Yeah, yeah. 
because the manic oh um, well you know the manics do release every now and then don't they so i mean they'd obviously have yeah. to be number one every time but the manics would be number one every time and as would uh yeah tom jones doesn't release that many albums these days no but you know reissues and legacy you know old old albums are always in the charts aren't they so i'd hate to think that bullet for my valentine would still get to number one but i'm sure were there a welsh chart they probably would which is a shame because you know because they're uh, they're fucking shit aren't they they're rubbish Mm. and we shouldn't turn this into a a welsh bash wells wells v scotland music off because i think if there if if we had Wales versus Scotland in a music off, I think Wales Wales would probably win for me. I think for me, as as we even here, with even with bloody bullet from Valentine clocking the place <laughs> up. Well, you know, you can't have it all. I think for me at the moment, I I would go for Scotland. I just think there's something about uh, where I am in my life that this kind of music is really, really doing it for me. You know, I'd say got into abstract recently got into mogwai recently i'm now gonna go and get into the twilight sad um and then if i'm feeling really bleak if i feel like i'm just ready to end it all i might put on something nice instead like bell and sebastian which is still pretty bleak but it's a bit nicer isn't it yeah or um oh god i'm trying to think of a scottish pop star now it's gotta be a scottish pop star surely uh i'm sure some someone in the early incarnation of blue might have been scottish no 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 no, oh maybe not okay (laughs) definitely not um which one anthony costa's not scottish simon webb's not scottish lee ryan is definitely not scottish he is he is lee ryan is absolutely scottish lee ryan's scottish yeah yeah, yeah. the most essex man it's all a front of the noughties all a front is the part of the problem with ephemeral pop you know, kind of boy bands of the 90s and early noughties. There must have been a Scottish man. <laughs> there must have been. It's not Lee Ryan, though. So There must have been. There must have been a Scottish guy on X Factor. Surely. A Scottish... Oh, Michelle McManus. Oh, of course. It was on the tip of my tongue. Who's that? She won, uh, she won the first ever... No, she didn't win the first ever X Factor. She won the last pop idol. Oh, did she? Oh, I I should have known Susan that. Boyle. I, did, I did watch Popeye. Yeah, see, ah, Susan Boyle would be the one. Yeah, big fan, big fan. Susan Boyle would be the one, wouldn't she? Uh, she is she a pop star? She's more. She's a bit different to that, isn't she? But Michelle McManus was, you know, she was a she was a big she was a big star. She oh, I can't remember who she beat. She beat those two twats. Two twats <laughs> who are trying to be who are, who now do like present kids TV. I don't know if they still do. But because they didn't win Pop Idol, they just they came second and third. Sam and Mark, and they bloody uh, they started presenting kids TV, oh, okay. and they were awful. Michelle McManus won, and I think Simon Cowell was angry about it because Michelle McManus was um, a slightly more heavy set lady. Fair. So she was a little bit bigger. Well, Simon Cowell can fuck off. Well, that's sort of what sort of propelled her to win because people were like going no she's got a good voice mm. fuck you Simon Cowell Simon Cowell was like you don't look like a pop star you don't look like a pop star nah, you don't look like a pop star and then she won and he was fucking livid and so obviously <laughs> he was like well I'm not going to pr- promote this person because it doesn't you know it doesn't it doesn't uh, align with my brand yeah my, my brand of being a twat uh, anyway what has this got to do with the Twilight Sad <laughs> absolutely nothing I think we were trying to uh, find some kind of morsel of joy in what is a very very bleak album but an absolutely phenomenal one I mean I think I don't know uh, sometimes there are times where I do really really like just getting lost in something quite bleak and I think 
James Graham's voice as well um, conveys so many kind of different layers of of utter, I don't know, just kind of the, <laughs> the spiralling depression that, that so many people go through, you know. Kind of starts off with, you know, his, the real kind of softly spoken Scottish lil. And then when he's really going for it in the choruses of the, the tracks on this album, he sounds like he's fucking, I don't know, ready to hurt someone it might be himself it might be someone else but um yeah i think we needed to have a little reprieve from <laughs> how horrible this record can be at times and yet how beautiful it can also be how curious yeah i think it's it's a really great like that is something we haven't said actually it is a really really great vocal performance a really mm. kind of I th- you, you you put that very well there sam it's a very very expressive vocal performance incredibly expressive incredibly um i think emotionally moving, moving yeah yeah Mm. vocal performance really really good you got anything else to say about the twilight sad um i don't know that i do really apart from yeah i clearly this is going to be a band that i think are probably going to dominate the rest of my listening this year when i'm not listening to stuff that well when i'm not listening to other stuff basically i think the twilight sad will be my treat listening (laughs) because that's just what i kind of like sad sad person i really am the twilight sounds the Twilight Sand. Oh, it was silly God. of me to listen to this in 2019 and go, isn't this good? And then completely forget about it. Mm. And so I appreciate it being suggested. Oh, that is good. I really appreciate it being suggested. Thank you very much. So, yeah, thanks very much. Um, and thank you for listening, everyone. That is it. Well, I don't have anything else to say about Twilight Sad. Do you have anything else to say about Michelle McManus? Um, yes. When you say McManus, it makes me think of Manus, the father of the abyss from the first Dark Souls DLC, but I don't think that's quite what you're after. That is what she used to get at all the time. Oh, classic. Uh. All the time. All the time. Um, I'm just going to check in, in case people are like going, oh, now you've gone down this Michelle McManus <laughs> rabbit hole. Let's talk about her. Uh, apparently she is our guest panellist on Loose Women in 2019 was the last thing that she did. Oh, and she was, she's got a presenter of the show for BBC Radio Scotland entitled Our Lives. The flame that burns twice as bright burns only half as long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well done, Michelle. Uh, yeah. And she had, a, she had a one woman show 10 years ago at the Edinburgh Festival. Oh, cool. Okay. Doing a bit of stand-up. Trying to muscle in on your turf. <laughs> that would have been when it was my turf as well. <laughs> Fuck off, McManus. It's my turf. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, guys. Appreciate that. Appreciate your contribution to the podcast. We'll be back next time with something else. We haven't decided what, what it is yet, but we will we will we will be back for sure. Definitely. For sure. So uh we'll see you then. See you later. <laughs>